in your ear. Podcast Network. Hi. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi. Hi. This is, this is, Hello. The, 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 this is Mike. This is Josh. <laughs> this is Dizzle, Dancing Dave, Dynamite, yeah. We call that's you that all the time. That's this the way I feel. Yeah. J-Bone. The and bony. we are. And this is <laughs> Does It Suck This week we watched. Explain the whole gimmick. Explain why we were watching. All right. So for the past, it'll be. So this is our second episode, but for the next two, so four part series, we're all going to be reviewing one movie we have each individual has felt passionate about. All right. For whatever reason. This week I picked Time Uh, Bandits. What? I was feeling passionate. I'm feeling passionate. He he started feeling a little passionate too. (laughs) <laughs> I feel passionate about Time Bandits. The 1981 Terry Gilliam movie it came out. The plot line is a group, a group of dwarves. Plot synopsis, Dave. Plot this synopsis. Elevator pitch. Right, yes, synopsis. Why should we make this movie? I want to put this out there, though. This is how it is described on Amazon Prime. So the, <laughs> I think dwarves was fine. They're mythical creatures. So a group of jewelers who work shrubbery, creating shrubbery and plants for the supreme being steal a map that shows the holes through time. Now, they end up taking that map, using the holes in time to rob people. This then ensues with the ultimate darkness uh, being saying, evil, I want to get out being. of evil, evil being. But they pick, yeah. they pick up a friend along the way. Well, yes. we'll get to that because I think that's going to be the first thing we talk about. It's a kid. It's not a big scene. Yeah. yeah they pick up it's not, Kevin. It's not like a reveal. In the beginning of the movie, Kevin. who is <laughs> really an is. imaginary kid, imagine, has a great imagination as a kid. I don't know why I can't say that. And an imaginarium. He, he has an imaginarium <laughs> of his own Dr. Parnassus. But he, uh, his parents are basically technology wor- worshiping. Um, suburban parents with too much plastic on their furniture and who watch game shows too much. I have so a lot of, he escapes yeah. with them. They go on this crazy plastic adventure. Plastic on things is Terry Gilliam's aesthetic. I, I have that's yeah. more notes about Terry that's Gilliam's latex fetish than I have. About. <laughs> well, they have this. They go yeah, so they start out. They they go through the time hole. They they rob Napoleon. They then uh, meet up with Robin Hood and get their loot taken. Then they separate. He ends up in ancient Greece with Agamemnon, who's Sean Connery, where nobody speaks Greek. I know that's going to be a thing. So I need more movies where Sean Connery let me, has, let has an accent that doesn't then, fit. I then the dwarves come Connery back. Dwarves come back, find Kevin. Thighs. They escape. They end up on a boat. They don't really know where. It's the Titanic. Then ultimate evil tells them to come to the time of legends. They go there. They battle with the evil guy after he grabs the map from them. You, or you, we'll do all skip, the details. Hold on, you this skip is a the ogre boat and the this giant. This is not a synopsis. This is, this is a play-by-play. This, play. this, this is just, yeah. this is the plot. 
That, that's, well, then you're, there you go. Yeah. How am I so, going to? You'll interrupt uh, me every time I go anyway. So I'm just trying to give like a general yes. note. So that we, we, we I went really a long time. Dave, that was one of your deeper runs with a plot synopsis. True. Like, we you got very, really far into it. You were, movie. I, I we actually were thought you did a remarkable job of keeping it straight for like probably better than the movie did. Well, yeah. I'm going to break down each one of these parts because we all have notes. So basically, right, why do you love this movie, the, Dave? Why do you love yeah. this movie? That's a good question. Okay. I love this movie because I think that this is um, the culmination of Terry Gilliam's animation and absolute just wild imagination with what he can come up with and the absurdity of Monty Python. And I think this is the first movie he did after on his own after Python. Um, what, and, and what I love about it is just this, how far same. out you can take an idea. And, and in my opinion, it, it's the first movie too. And we've had a lot of a lot of movies like this where, Yes, there's a lot of stuff when you look at it that doesn't make complete sense, but I love it. I don't care. I, no. This is one of the movies. I'm having a J-Bone moment where I'm like, I don't care. I don't care if Sean Connery speaks with a Scottish accent and is the king of, uh, it, you know, he's not the king of Greece at that time. It was like CM or whatever. Okay, look, uh, no, he's I, I, Dave, I, I think in order to have, in order to kind of like set the discussion and the debate about this movie, I think we all need to agree to some certain basic tenets. And okay. it's, it's A, we're not going to judge it on its historical, historic accuracy at all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was Did just Napoleon have a fake other hand? movies. No, Did Napoleon have a not. fake hand? No. Yes, he had a fake hand. Like Jamie was, Lannister style? Like, this is not This is not even like a Bill and Ted level historic accuracy. This is... Oh, no. No, it's This not. is not even close. And and B, <laughs> it is like the, the plot coherency, I feel like I need to just let that go too. I think so. I... I think they I, asked the question, what happened if the, if the help in heaven or whatever, the Supreme Beings organization got a map and they could actually get out and do things that they wanted to do. And that's like the whole entirety of the movie to me, because Monty Python was always about working class people in extreme situations. And I think that this absolutely reads it with the dwarves that are in it. And I think they're fucking hilarious and amazing. And who can pull off wearing a spaghetti strainer for a helmet? With a candle in it. <laughs> yeah. The, candle the, co the it. costumes Ooh. in this movie are fantastic. Fidget. It's if, you like cost if you like costumes, this is a movie that. You I think watch. costumes, set designs, I think just yeah, concepts, absolute just wild concepts. Like in the time of legends, just like you were going to say, they fall, uh, they go from the Titanic and then they fall down. They're in the ocean. They get picked up by an ogre. And, and his Mona wife. from Who's the and, Boss? Yep, Mona, <laughs> Angela. That's one of my. I'll have to save that. But um, and then that turns into a giant who wears a ship as a head, as a, like a hat. Accidentally yeah. was my take yeah. on that. He doesn't know something. I think there it was a coincidence. Yeah. No, he didn't know what's no, no, up no. there. It was strapped on. Like, yeah, it's strapped to his head. <laughs> well, so it's I feel not like, strapped yeah, to his head. He that's his face. <laughs> no, no, he adjusted no. I challenge at one that. point, and they're all like, whoa. Whoa. He adjusted no, because they like inject his head with drugs in order to get him to fall asleep so they can get off of the boat. Yeah. That's the only reason that no, he's scratching I feel it. that giants wear ships as fashion. Come on. <laughs> this is that. what I believe. can make that argument from in this I'm pretty sure he had his chin strap. He didn't. It was a face tattoo. He had Maori face tattoos. Oh, was it a tattoo? Yeah, it was a face tattoo. Yeah, I think it was too, or eye makeup. 
That's that, even funnier though. That if he I just came out of the ocean movie. and happened upon to be like, hey, oh, yeah. <laughs> he didn't even notice it. That's what I read. He was he's so big yeah. and giant. He didn't even notice the ship like lodged so wait, on his head. Fun he, fact: he, when they put him to sleep, it looked like he just took it off as yeah. like a hat, and he was like, oh, put this here. That's how but my the, five-year-old sleeps in the car. Just like face, <laughs> like chin to chest, yeah. like straight down while it's sitting like, up. Uh, <laughs> well, apparently, fun fact: the the cottage that the giant steps on um, when he's coming ashore is the, according to the fun fact websites, it's the house of the elephant butler in the Meaning of Life movie. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, I yeah. totally, <laughs> I noticed that because the yes. guy, well, he's dead Terry now. Gilliam, well, Terry Gilliam also directs. Uh, meaning of life like right mm-hmm. after this yep yeah well and and if so you want some background for people that was my favorite know, joke like, in the whole movie was the giant stepping yeah. on that cottage that, that was, was the hardest hilarious. i laughed you see it coming for like three minutes it's, it's the so longest draw like it's gonna happen it's coming <laughs> and you know what's funny j-bone i thought of your mom because she always thought this joke was very funny when really? um uh <laughs> growing up she always talked about it and she talked about us being the the three idiots uh, <laughs> the, two, the three tall guys your mom would always say that joke about us he, he said like they're gonna they eat brushes yeah <laughs> they're, they're funny it's, <laughs> they're hilarious they eat brushes no and the no, guy who's no. the head of the theater <laughs> the guy who's at the head of the theater that napoleon's watching is also in adventures of baron munchausen as well as the guy who cuts open the pig in the um agamemnon yes. grease scene mm-hmm. yeah you start there's to a see lot like of really Terry. funny people in this movie Th- this movie yeah. is a collection of just the most hilarious moments i think just thrown together accidentally mm-hmm. pretty much well, well <laughs> like, it's very much you know what's interesting it's, it's like it is almost it's like a fractured fairy tale which is why i really think i loved it as a kid where it's mm-hmm. like like and he it's funny because he directed the brothers Grimm movie it was just called like Grimm or something Right, the one with Heath uh, really? Ledger and Matt Damon. Yeah, Matt Damon. yeah. Uh-huh. Is that that? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's yeah. not bad actually. It's not. And the, not the imaginary movie. and Doctor Parnassus, which was Heath yeah. Ledger's last yeah, movie. Yeah, I never saw that. Which one was either. really no, but it was it's good. Like very it's much worth checking out. Trust me. How much plastic did yeah. it have? Was it a lot of plastic? <laughs> a lot of plastic. <laughs> it's, it's it's very much a uh, a dark, grim fairy tale if you look at it, but. It is, and very much of its time, also like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, mm-hmm. where like these casts of car- supernatural beings pick up, you know, a kid who's just like uh, kind of like in a bathrobe, just like uh, Arthur from yeah. Hitchhiker's Guide, mm-hmm. and then taken right. on this like fantastical journey. But there's also this like really like it's like also tragically funny because in Hitchhiker's Guide, they blow up the entire planet. Right, and in he's, this, the, he's the last like, human, or one of the last humans left. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It was nobody cares that his parents blew up either. Nobody even notices. Yeah, there was that's no. when I was doing a research for this movie. Most of the internet chatter around this movie was like how messed up the ending was, or somebody please explain it to whoever's making the post. He said, "Kevin is free. He's yeah. he's the star child. It's 2001." That's, but but or that? was it dark yeah. that the supreme being basically gives him a slap on the back and there's like you got to go home you'll sort it out don't worry Kevin is the kid. new evil <laughs> maybe Kevin is the new evil no he's got to go find know. all the other pieces of evil around the world you can go a lot of different ways them. with the deep symbolism of this movie it's it's, it's I tough. thought it was a it's, very python ending to me that's all 
Yeah. Where it was like, yeah. you know, yeah. was like it a dream big foot or comes was down it? Out of the sky bum, bum, and bum. squashes everything. Yeah. The classic yeah. Monty. Like, it's it's really subversive in a lot of ways, and also really subversive for kids to see because it's saying that the like everything is really meaningless. Because look how we're just playing with reality in this movie. Right. Basically, like everything's meaningless. Like his parents blow up because they touched evil. Like, what does it all mean? God said, God said, hey, man, good luck. Yeah. You know, that's basically <laughs> like it reminds me more, of well, and that heaven that. and God are an administration. They are, mm-hmm. you know, that and they're always playing that. That's just part of their whole humor yeah. that, of course, like just like Hitchhiker or Brazil yeah. after he did Brazil. Yeah. I think Hitchhiker has the whole like Earth is being bulldozed to make a space highway. Yeah. And yeah, cares. everything is bureaucracy. Everything yeah. is inefficient. Everything is, you know, entropy. Everything and also going down, cooling off. And the supreme being is like, I just wanted to see how ultimate evil would work. So thank you. That's like the end of the movie. And they're like, was it all meaningless? And he's like, pretty like, much. I mean, not to me, <laughs> but maybe, you know. Well, no, I thought it was a trap. I thought it was intentional. Because he literally says like good and be- he says good and evil is meaningless. You know, yeah. because which is kind of fascinating. You take something that has such meaning and you're just basically saying, oh, we we're just doing that just to see what would happen. And OK, yeah. we're done. Terry Gilliam gives you these moments just like Days of Heaven. Just these, these beautiful moments <laughs> that <laughs> make you think we're having that conversation right now. Now, if I met Robin Hood, would I give to charity or would I not? Would I punch <sighs> all of the people of, I'm giving... I mean, that made me think when that they gave hilarious. them, you know, here every, you go. Every John Cleese <laughs> scene was hilarious. And every oh, yeah. Shelley, Shelley Duvall yes. scene was also oh, hilarious. Oh, her and Michael Palin. Are, yeah. I, love. <laughs> I weirdly when, don't like Shelley Duvall. I find her distracting. In movie. I never, like, see a character there. I just see this, like, gimmick that she does. And well, it, lucky for you, she wasn't it. in this one that much. Well, yeah. But every, like, but every every one of those funny scenes, I I, I found myself in my notes being like, "Ooh, what what is his condition?" I know. Right? <laughs> exactly. I was like, "Would they drop a lot of hints?" I just what what could it possibly? Yeah, I couldn't be. Well, then there was the it's that classic old joke, like, right? When she goes, "I have," but you know, I have an enormous, and then they, they fall on her. Like, yeah, what do you think she was gonna say? I think you know where that was leading. <laughs> Tell me, maybe. I I have an enormous, and then there had to be a turn, like uh, knob, goblet on my toe. I don't know. It, it, you couldn't. That's couldn't what you thought she was going to say. Oh no, you think it's going to be vagina, but you know, <laughs> but it wouldn't be. I mean, it would be funny if she just well, said that it. That means that I, I feel like at a very young age we knew about uh, erectile dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> These are be this movie. <laughs> I always just thought he was pooping himself. Honestly, that's what I thought when I was a kid. Like, oh, he clearly just has like something leaking out of his butt, and it's not good. <laughs> well, once again, that's a great comedic genius because here we are, forty years later, still trying to figure out what Michael Palin's condition so, was. So I gotta say, I don't think this movie's comedic genius. Yes, I, I'm, yes. gonna, I'm gonna come out. I think this movie loops itself constantly, and like something Dave said was. You said like it, you, Dave. You get out of it that this movie's like pushing further and further and seeing how far it can go. And I get out of it that it's just making the same joke over and over again. And the scenes I like or dislike just solely based on who was delivering the joke. So like John Cleese, love John Cleese. Ian Holm, love Ian Holm. That was the most I got out of it. Like normally love Michael Palin, but 
I didn't think that like it, I didn't think it was that funny or exciting to watch. I have to say, I didn't love it. I gotta be honest, I didn't love yeah, it. Yeah, I I I see that. Um, like I said, I, the humor <laughs> in this movie for me was the fact that it was all accidental, and they were just like, "Go do your thing," and it'll some things will happen, and they they throw a lot, and a lot of it lands. Um, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, but been. outside of that, like it's funny that this holds a lot of. I mean, it's not that it's funny that it you know is significant for you that's not what i'm trying to say it's not it's not funny <laughs> like you no care man. a lot of that. Oh, now i'm just drowning <laughs> in this no so keep digging that hole yeah i don't really know where to go with this so is somebody gonna save me here no it's no, i'm gonna also gonna kind of back myself up with like uh, re-watching it again it is an extremely weird crazy movie yeah I think that's just why i love it but i, I, think, I, it's, think, yeah, it's I like, think it's funny it's, that this is like a kid's movie we, that holds a place for you i, is it I think that though? j-bone is also saying that for him which i have felt with other comedies we've watched that it didn't keep upping the ante as it went and get more chaotic that he felt it was just kind of looping back to the same concept. Right. That was your, your feeling of it. Yeah. I didn't, I, I was, I didn't think the movie, I think the movie had a lot of pacing issue, issues just on like a craft level. Like I, I never felt the flow of the movie. I was, I was bored through parts of it. Um, at the same time, like the flip side, I respected the hell out of so much of like movie craft about this movie it is trying to be clever and exciting and fun and it's wacky and, uh, and it's, tr- and the set product the set uh, design and the costumes and a lot of, the, and the cast are incredible. There's so much talent behind this movie that I can't help but appreciate it. But I didn't like, I didn't find it. I felt like this movie needed to be exhilarating and like give you like a lot of hit you with a lot of endorphins. And I, I didn't get that anymore maybe from it. I don't disagree with you. I mean, like you said, like I said, I maybe it is Terry Gilliam's, you know, first attempt at what I think he started to accomplish over his career, you know, with being able to combine surrealism and realism into mm-hmm. into the movies that he's done, you know. But I, once again, I, this always, I think for me, just one of the reasons I'm very passionate about is just purely based on concept that they would make this movie and that mm-hmm. he, and that George Harrison would back him in making this movie. If you people don't know, George Harrison started a production company. <laughs> oh, you're going to tell people who was George Harrison first. was. George Harrison <laughs> was in this band. They were really popular. They did a lot of good songs. They were songs. named after an, an insect, <laughs> an insect sect. There you go. Yeah. And NSYNC. Um, but they, uh, yeah, the this was Beatles. the first movie that he produced. I think it yeah, for handmade films. It seems like it was an expensive movie. Didn't it seem like it was expensive? Five million dollars. Five million dollars in 1981. Compare that to Beastmaster, which well, I think they made for 1.8 million dollars. This cost a lot of money. wait. I, I can do. I can do the math. Almost three times as much money to make as Beastmaster at the same time in history. <laughs> yeah, and Beastmaster had well, beasts. <laughs> These masters didn't have to glo- go over the, the globe. Interesting to thing shoot. About, uh, the interesting thing about handmade films, though, is that was run very similarly to Apple Records, where the Beatles just were like, we have a lot of money and we're just going to do whatever we want. And basically, that's what it was. It was just like George Harrison being like, you know, Terry makes fucking amazing movies. So I'm just going to give him money and let him do what he wants. Well, but after it's really the hit, cool, right. though. Like but after they saved they life of Brian, this. right? But he they saved, went under. Yeah. I mean, like the, this. Yeah. I can't. This music. You know, I, I read that they started the 
I, I read that they went to that production company and had to do this crazy financing because no major studio would buy this movie for obvious oh. reasons. <laughs> for, the, for the reason that we heard earlier, like even Dave, who I, I think very accurately and succinctly presents us these movies, this guy couldn't sell it to a movie executive in an elevator. <laughs> oh, no way. It's so weird. But what's really cool is like, I think the difference is like, so thinking about seeing this movie as like a, you know, five, six, seven, ten year old, but watching it again, knowing the whole of Terry Gilliam's like canon, like this is like, I think Dave is hitting on something. Like this is him being able to be like, I'm gonna like flex my nuts, just put like mm-hmm. fucking everything in this movie and then just yeah. like see what happens. Because I think Baron Munchausen is a similar sort of film. Yeah. It's an adventure quest. But- but it's right. better. But it's like he's kind of like reined in a lot of the craziness and he's like gotten more into like telling the story and the elements like sort of like fit in place better, if that makes sense. Like, I think, it does. Yeah. This is just like a bunch of set pieces. Like, I would say that to whatever it's worth, one of the why I'm passionate about this movie, I think it's just for my own, I don't know what you want to call it, artistic indulgence, right? Mm-hmm. Where I wanted to think of a movie where it, it just was like, someone sat down and wrote this and made this and i and i still think it's such a wacky amazing concept i of course there are things wrong with the movie but i think for me that's why i feel passionate about it because it just shows you you can take your story anywhere you want and it can still be made into a movie no matter what where do you think the story goes that's my question where do you think the story goes i think it's very much anywhere i think it's like meaning of life i think it is like the you know even, life is a sketch movie though even well i think that's where he was coming from obviously they it, this is kind of like a sketch movie it's very much like a sketch right movie. so what it's like the same terry, sketch with wait, a different dress well, different what costumes. else is terry gilliam so michael palin and terry gilliam wrote this together mm-hmm. right which you see in the credits where are they coming from i mean they just did holy grail they did life of brian and then he did this and the meaning sure. of life comes out after that but i think that all of those movies don't necessarily i think it's their absurdity period of Ponty python that yeah you thought this was going to have a point but it doesn't and but we know but but no but also it's like i think it's also them tr- them like sort of figuring out how to do a full-length narrative movie because they had just done holy grail they did uh life of brian right before life of brian's that. like two-thirds of a whole movie yeah. Oh, and Jabba right. somewhere and, and in like, there, right? You, yeah, and you can kind of see the growing pains, and I think you would include this and, and the meaning of life in there where they're sort of figuring out how to make, like, an entire movie and not just, like, a series of sketches. Because right. I think there, there are things in this movie that you see the greatness of Terry Gilliam. Mm-hmm. Uh, for oh, instance, yeah. the, the cage scene, like the cage scene yeah. where they do mm-hmm. the whole thing where they're like tying the ropes to each other and swinging from the cages and getting like really excited. And you sort of like know more about the characters through that experience. Um, and it's just also just like kind of breathtaking, like how crazy it looks. But then you, you see like the Robin Hood scene and that's just like a Monty Python sketch. You know, it's basically John Cleese doing his impression of Queen Elizabeth 
And right. yeah, you know, John Cleese has one I of the greatest that. comic deliveries when, of all when time. They're he is, he is so it, I, I, when they're sitting there so good. writing it, I don't know if John yeah. Cleese chimed in because he was going to play it and said, I'm going to do it as Queen Elizabeth, or they were like, what do you think Robin Hood was like? And they're like, yeah. I think I like he was Queen a lot Hood. like Queen Elizabeth, you know, like <laughs> the funniest, <laughs> the whole, one the of the funniest is, jokes though. Uh, let me get the, let me say this. The, one of the funniest jokes <laughs> ever is in that scene when the guy is punching every person coming up <laughs> and he goes, do you really have to do that? And the guy was like, yeah. He's like, okay, carry on. Carry on. And the way he's winding up to hit that old lady, he's like relishing it. Dude, he's staring right at her. His fist is like quenched. Like he's just like, I'm gonna fucking smash this old lady in the face. That scene scene had me laughing harder than almost any other scene in the movie. In response to though, what I think I see moments of comedic brilliance, and I, you know, J Bone saying as a movie, right that it's not com- comedy brilliance, but there's, in my opinion, comedic timing. There's one scene on the boat. It's very small where it's like, you know, they, they got the ogre and Mona off the boat <laughs> and they were like, uh, they're like, everything's all right now. As long as we keep on this course, nothing could go wrong. Boom. And I loved right. that comedic pacing because they never were trying to let it sit. It was always like coming up and punching you in the face in a good way. And, and I was like really appreciating that sort of comedic timing throughout the movie. Well, just I, to get back to a point that J-Bone made earlier, uh, kind of a combining a J-Bone and a, and a Googs, Mike Googs point. It's no this D is like the, in there. D, well, you're D. You're, I He's countering you. So yes. the, no, it's, I'm Match combining point. your points into a realization that this is like the first Match big point. movie. <laughs> There was there was a note that they had written in the screenplay First that big movie. Well, big movie like critical like they went big Time. like you know like the, the budget and and the sets yeah. and the effects yeah. and, the and the characters yeah. and the cocaine and the stars. They said <laughs> in the screenplay money. that was Star Wars money. That was yeah. Floating Gilliam, Hollywood. Gilliam wrote in the screenplay he was like for uh, Agamemnon's character. They were like it's going to be Sean Connery or more likely somebody that looks like him because they were so sure they were never going to get Sean Connery for this movie. <laughs> yeah. So this is the kind of movie where you take like a really visionary director and you give him a ton of money and say, hey, we can get you famous people. Just go nuts. He's like, OK, Sean Connery. <laughs> like, I'm going to I'm going to go nuts. And like he just lets lets it all hang out. You know, you can see what the, the sketchy the sketch comedy aspect of the previous movies, like the life of Brian's and everything. And then this is the the attempt to take the next step. And I'm still like, for the record, internally debating whether or not you know he lands with the step or not i can agree with that what i vividly remember too is that within my lexicon of knowledge as a kid where fantasy action and this involving i think you know comedy the look of this dark crystal i think legend kind of has its own thing um Mm -hmm. but uh it was very much yeah go ahead sorry it was just very much within what I remember and going back and looking at the scope of the set design, the costumes, like you said, the cage scene, bringing to life, what the movie, I guess maybe that's what really impressed me. It brought to life Terry Gilliam's animation and to think of it 40 years later of like, wow, they really went for that. And sure, I'm totally fine with a lot of the stuff in the movie and it's fine. That's why we do this podcast. Right. So people have outside perspective. But um, 
I, that's, I don't know. I just, it's just really, I'm passionate about just how they went for and made so many amazing visuals for me from well, 1981. Yeah. You know. Case in point, Evil Genius's whole costume and the whole like aesthetic of him and his lair and his minions and everything that goes on in there. Like for me, for me watching this movie now, looking back and realizing it was made in 81, I was like, damn, like this yeah. is, looks great. like. I love in- the whole joke where they would apologize to each other if they said something nice. To each other, <laughs> the bad guys. What like, are the slugs? Slugs. Like, oh, yeah, there's on. one, I, yeah, there's I, one I, he's I, like, you know, oh, <laughs> Penfold, you're so stupid. And he's like, thank you, sir. And he's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is this is a good a segue for the haiku because this is the way I felt about this whole do the movie. Haiku and then we'll take I'll a break. do the haiku and then we'll do the break. All right. <clears throat> Here we go. Like a fever dream, what the hell did I just see? Gone now. I'm sober. <laughs> <laughs> I agree That's with rough. you. Yeah. As That's I agree right on. <laughs> I'm fine. I mean, I can't believe how many times we watched this movie and, and how that's why I kind of wanted to go back and I still feel passionate about it, but I did want to watch it again and try to like watch it, watch it, you know. So but I still love quick, it, you know. Real quick before we break, I Dave, I thought it was interesting that you compared it to Dark Crystal because I, I weirdly thought a lot about Jim Henson watching this movie again mm. and how it feels this movie's aesthetic feels like there's some Henson in there, you know, Mm -hmm. like it feels similar to Labyrinth or, or Dark Crystal in that, like just the vibe of the movie, the kind of like, it holds you a little bit away from it while you watch it. You're kind of like observing it. You're not allowed in uh, Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And it also reminded me of, there was, I'm going to paraphrase Jim Henson, but he said, remember there was the Muppet who had the crazy hair and he would just like run through the back of scenes and throw bombs and just be like, (laughs) And like yeah. just make stuff blow up, and they'd all be like, "Oh God, what was? Oh, it's that dude again." So animal? they used it was no, animal. It was some other little muppet. Drums. But Jim Henson said that that muppet's tool for the show was anytime they couldn't figure out how to end a sketch, they would just send him out and have him start throwing bombs, and that would be the end of the sketch. And I feel like this movie has that aesthetic going on. That's its vibe. They're just well, like we. It's time to jump through a hole and throw bombs at this sketch. And yeah, and that's, the next a, and that's a Python thing, yeah, like period. Yeah. That's why they used Terry Gilliam's animation. Because mm-hmm. they said when we couldn't figure out what to, how to end a sketch, we just threw a cartoon in there. Right, yeah. You know, and I think, I don't know. I mean, people could view it as, late. I don't know. I kind of, to me, it's kind of like genius because it, it's not like Saturday Night Live is where they really just don't have an ending for the sketch. <laughs> for Monty Python, somehow it segues in a way that you're like, yeah, I think I got that. And maybe the joke's on me where it's like, no, you didn't. There was nothing to get. I think I, the, jokes, the joke's on yeah. us and there's also a joke there. That's but these guys are, I, I, I don't think joke. it's on us. These guys are generally universally viewed as funny, right? Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they've stood the test yeah, of yes, time. The, the, this movie <laughs> was a top 10 movie in the U.S. and Canada in 1981. Like it That's made amazing. something like $40 million on the $5 million it cost to make it. People wow. love this movie. Wow. I always right, thought so it's let's, do, let's roll it. We'll do a little clip and then we'll come back and Dave can do his, uh, his title. Alternative titles. Yeah. Yes. Alternative you need to hear our sponsors, uh, which we don't really have. I'm just going to Our play. sponsors, alternative titties. Tired of your own titties? Try alternative titties. Sponsored by Nipplopolis. We will pour ourselves for anything. Hello, I- I'm Hood. It's Robin Hood. Good morning, you scum. Good morning, you scum. Good morning. You're, you're all, all 
robbers. Oh, the best, Mr. Hood. Jolly good. You're a robber, are you? Jolly good. And do you enjoy robbing then? Well, it helps pay the rent, sir. Ha, 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 Jolly good. And you're a robber too, are you? How long have you been a robber? Four foot one. Good Lord. Jolly good. Four foot one. Yes. Well, that, 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 that is, is a long time, isn't it? Guys, that clip was hilarious and a great example of everything <laughs> that I said previously to showing that clip. Oh, by the way, can we show a clip? I love the scene where everyone gets in the, the trap where they're in the Robin Hood, they're in, you know, Sherwood Forest and they get trapped clip by the robbers. Happened, and he's like, don't worry, I'll handle this. And he's, <laughs> and he's hey, like, we'll show the clip that YouTube gets me quickest in my search. That'll engine. work. And he's like, have you ever robbed a grandmother? Anytime I can. Yeah, no, taking <laughs> a baby. <laughs> Something ridiculous. Stolen from a baby. Yeah, and what I didn't get to say was the slugs line, which I love, where he's like, slugs? And he's like, they can't see, they can't hear, they can't operate heavy machinery. <laughs> well, no, the, the best Tell thing about computers. Line, exactly, <laughs> that's it. He gets, he gets the map, he gets this, the, the time map, and he turns to like whatever the guy he's working with. He's like, "All right, tell me about personal computers." He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "Well, you can calculate stuff." <laughs> yeah. Eighty-one computers. Yeah. All right, so there's so many good ideas, Dave. I just want to emphasize oh, something you said real quick before you do it. There's so many good ideas in this movie. However, any of us land on like the execution of the movie, there you are absolutely hundred percent right. There's like so much creative juice flowing through this movie. Uh, it's great. They're just like it's fun when artists get a little unchained, even if even if it's not a great movie. To me, yeah. I love it. I, I I liken it to like Michael Bay or Zack Snyder. Funny enough, <laughs> where like it's it's so big the entire time that as however much of that wave you can catch, you're like happy to catch, but the rest of it's like really loud. Yeah, it's very <laughs> overwhelming. I was futzing with my volume like the whole time because yeah, it's me too. like they're just whispering to each other, like the fortress of ultimate darkness. And this it's like, is ah! max. This is maximum Terry Gillian. Like yeah. if you if you are interested in like the history of movies and style and people who have like singular visions, there are movies I would show by him ahead of this one if I was going to show somebody. But you could show somebody any scene from this movie. And be like, if you like that scene, you're going to find stuff you like in this movie, period. Yeah, and pick I, any I, scene. Yeah, I think, too, that this movie, to me, also represents um, a lot of influence. Like, I, I think that people who are into Monty Python, obviously, and there are millions, you know, you see that just that you would be influenced by something like this. I know I am still to this day. Totally. When, you know, yeah, you create stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I would love to see that Monty Python sense of humor in the Avengers in a Zack Snyder movie. And I know that there are moments <laughs> that really work, but I would love to see you know Zack Snyder direct a script gets, by Michael yeah, gets pretty close. Like <laughs> That's tie- why that director is directing a new series, TV series of Time Bandits. Wait, who did you, wait, you reference solo? I, I, te- I teed you up for that, Dave. You are well, well, I missed you. it. That was I missed like it. it. Tawiki, uh, oh, he's going to do Time Bandits? He's yeah, doing he's a, doing a Time, Time Bandits series yeah. for That's Apple perfect. Plus. For That's Apple perfect. TV. Yep. Absolutely. R.I.P. Kenny Baker, though. Kenny Baker is amazing in this movie. Uh, he's, um, 
what what was the main time bandit's name randall uh, He's Randall. Yeah. He's yeah. also most famously R2 D2 in no, Star Wars. No, no, no. Fidget. No, no, Fidget is R2 D2. Oh, who was Fidget? Fidget. Which he's the, the one that gets, gets crushed by the column. Yeah. Oh, okay. Spaghetti oh, helmet. My bad. Spaghetti the guy who helmet. plays Randall is incredible in this movie. He's he's the lead role in the movie, and he's so good and he's so funny. Every time you well, like looked it, at it. He put on his monocle and looked at his watch. It every, every, every time. single one of these uh time bandits were in the, you know, the in Jedi, apparently, for obvious reasons. They're great. So they're funny. They're they're, they're they great Ewoks, chemistry. What you're saying? Also, yes, think about Ewoks. how hard, <laughs> like you said, like how hard this would have been to pitch to anyone. They're like, Well, who are the leads? Well, we got a bunch of dwarves, little people, uh, and they're going to be the leads in it, and it's going to be really great. And, <laughs> and they're all kid. like, huh? Yeah. And a kid, and, yeah. And apparently, to Gilliam's uh, screenplay notes, they were like, they wanted to have seven originally, but he was like, but we're going to be sued for copyright infringement by Disney, so we have to have six. Uh, <laughs> I kept counting them. Was anybody else doing this? I was like, in scenes, I would count everybody and the kid to try and like yeah. make sure everybody was there when they would show like group mm-hmm. shots. I'd be like, all right, there's six. Okay, good. Seven. There's seven six. people there. And actually, um, before I read this, I will, I, I was, you, something just hit me. I was thinking of what J Bone said. The thing I would change about this movie is I would literally just have more with them and Kevin and never get off the the dwarves and their robberies and go full tilt into that even more. Cause I feel like they went away from it a little bit in the second act when we get into like Agamemnon and mm-hmm. we try to focus on Kevin and there's a little, yeah, like, that was oh, a, we that need was to a find the heart. The movie. That was. I didn't think we needed to find yeah. the heart in the movie. I feel I like mean, Kevin's story was being set up and doesn't actually go to get us anywhere. I mean, obviously his life changes dramatically in this movie, but we yeah. don't know like, is Kevin really a victim of like randomness or, is, or, you know, as Terry said, he had an idea for a second movie and was he setting up Kevin to be a different kind of character in the second movie? Like, was he being freed by the cosmic forces or was he just being fucked by random chaos? I, I yes. didn't, I didn't the land. Answer either, is yes. I, now, <laughs> yes. I, I they to, left out everyone that fucked Kevin. That was on the cutting room floor. Gross, just, you know, gross, Dave. I, I tend to, you I tend brought to, it up. What? I tend to agree with the no. former, uh, it being a fairy tale. I tend to agree with, uh, the former, which like is he's being that, set up to be something? like, yeah, that he is being set up because like, I feel like it's supposed to be his journey into independence, where right. he has these like like crappy people who are parents and basically i don't know in a lot of ways it's like sean connery's there and like winks at him being like you're free now His like parents aren't can... crappy they're just like not attentive human beings they're but just i don't know it's I, TV I always maybe i don't know maybe it's because i was a kid but i always felt like oh well he's gonna he should be on to better things maybe right. i was just lying to myself to cope with the horrible randomness that it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> matter I was six but, years old when I read Sart. <laughs> <laughs> it was garbage. It was garbage. I tell you, I still learned, garbage. <laughs> I learned about the harsh realities of the world and erectile dysfunction. <laughs> yeah, that's called the swim team. Yeah. The I song. love the right. the wet the wet joke or whatever. They really like. Yeah, oh, it's, so it's wet. wet. It's so, so wet. So wet. Feeling half my titles. I love this. <laughs> all right, wait, wait, wait. What's the titles? It's great. I, actually, I'm pretty happy that we're all quoting it. All right. Brought to you by. 
<laughs> bom, 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 bom. Simon says, put that in there. There we go. Alternate uh, titles brought to you by <laughs> uh, Dave, I think. Yeah, me. What product? What's a tariff, like a totally random product that we could ask to support us? Mustache cream. Uh, like, what about people who just make push mustache? Pins? Whoever Don't makes push it. pins. What if we're like, yeah. all right, Dave's alternative titles brought to you by push pins. Super push useful. Pins. Yeah. Dave's alternative titles brought to you by pickup sticks. Push pins. There we go. Okay. All right. So Taco Bell. Number one, <laughs> we made a wrong turn at title. Kevin. So. <laughs> Uh, number two, I won't number them. I don't know why. Uh, Nights yeah, in the yeah. closet. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so was that night just passing through like a, a wormhole, and then he was back into his world? Was yeah, it just like he's running. He he goes through, and then he's back out the other side again. Wait, can I actually thread this needle into the fact that I work on a paranormal show, and there is a running theory in the paranormal that sometimes that time is only experienced subjectively. So sometimes that you will walk into somewhere and there's right. all these reports of being like, I'm in ancient Rome. I'm at a battle in 1066, you know? So you can actually <laughs> sort of like travel through dimensions. And I just ate a bowl full of time. Yeah. <laughs> all of time because all of time is happening at once so this next title time is a flat circle this next title exactly wait 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 like hold you, on wait hold yeah. on i got i got another ta- tangent <laughs> to j- dive on there you there's, a worms, Dave. there's, you a se- there's a video game there's a video game series called um like uh dark souls and it has branches of other video games it's a whole genre right the cool mm. thing that this genre of video game shares a lot of it is like really hard pattern-based combat while you run around this like kind of demon world usually kind of thing and the multiplayer aspect is really cool and ties into what mike is talking about on a everything's a simulation level in the multiplayer of this genre if you're having trouble you can go to little spots in the board and send out a signal to everybody else in the world who's playing the game and somebody can call that signal if they're in the right spot and join your game as a ghost they enter your timeline they're playing the same video game as you but now they enter where you are in it and they can help you and there's like sharing and stuff. But you, the, the, the cool thing is you never know what, who's going to come through that portal. It could be somebody who's like an incredible player and they're just going to fuck you up, steal your shit and leave. It can be a new player who has no idea what they're doing and isn't going to help you at all. It can be an experienced person who wants to come and help you in your game. You have no idea. And I feel like that's like, uh, you know, preparing that's us like for the, the reality of the that, world. That's more of a parallel thing. universe Rick and Morty sort of theory than yes. like uh... – well, like time we're talking about influences now. I mean, look at Rick and Morty when we talk about comedy and sci-fi. I've never watched Rick and Morty. I'm sorry. Oh my You'll God. dig it. If you All right. And now this goes to the theme of that movie, of the movie. Um, it was all a dream. So, because <laughs> I thought I was like, I thought they were playing with that. Like, because the horse comes out of the closet and then he wakes up and it's like, was that a dream? Then he wakes up at his house at the end of the movie. Sean Connery. Then it was, was it all real? Was it not? And then they were so like. Kevin handles things remarkably well. I just want to put that he in. Does, he does roll with it. He, Way he's better a good than British Harry lad. Potter. Way he's better a good than British Harry Potter. He learns how to be independent through the course of the movie. Yeah. I think. And, and he that's questions like, things. He because learned. he has to let go to, of his parents twice in Sean Connery and also his real parents. He learned to go through the glory hole so <laughs> was that, go, just go just go, go. <laughs> it's brought to you by Taco Bell <laughs> and Mountain Dew. the glory hole 
Uh, ever Time's heard of the one real. about the seven dwarves in a barn? Yeah. Um, six. <laughs> six dwarves, I know. Actually, I'm glad that they corrected that. Uh, we do robberies. Um, <laughs> who doesn't want to shoot a puppeteer? Um, Napoleon can't drink. Uh, I found her time hole. It's nice. A, nice. Oh, that's a really this good one. Needs well to be done. more time hole. That one jokes. snuck up on me. I didn't quite get it at first, and now it's like marinating. Um, make it supreme, supreme being burritos. I just sounded like a good business idea. That's the um, whole idea. Can God make a burrito? Can God microwave a burrito so hot that God can't eat it? it yeah. Oh uh, have you God. ever looked at your pink bunkadoo? Um, <laughs> I must What's, have. I must have. That fruit. was amazing. I, yeah, that was that. What? Can you say that one again? I must have fruit. <laughs> I wanted the title. Can to you be, say the bunkadoo one again? What's the condition? All right. Have you ever looked at your bunk pink bunkadoo? <laughs> Because that That's was what the they created that they that, that they got fired by or right. they uh, oh demoted. <laughs> There's so much um, throwaway jokes in this movie. It's just that, like, the, oh yeah. my god. The throwaway uh, jokes are really funny. Pasta strainer helmet, name of my hardcore band. With a um, candle. You need with a, a candle. candle. <laughs> That's my first look. EP. That's it. <laughs> um, have you ever met the poor? Um, <laughs> Bring that lot over here. Everything yeah. John Cleese says in this movie is yeah. hysterical. Jolly good. Yeah, Jolly good. Jolly but he's, good. He's like, how long have you been doing this? He's like, four foot one, sir. Oh, he's yeah. like, That's a long time. That's a long time. Jolly good. It's too fucking funny. John Cleese is one of the 10 funniest human beings that ever lived, and oh you can't tell God. me otherwise. You can I not. agree with you. All right. Uh, am I evil? Uh, that nice. was the evil guy. Yeah, uh, this one I love. Nipples for men. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah yep. Slugs. Nipples for men and slugs. Have you ever another, seen another slug? quote? Laser. Eight o'clock. Day one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he for, listen, there's got to be time for tea and breakfast. You can't start at like six a.m. to destroy the world. You gotta go. Stand by for mind control, and that's such a Python line. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the most fabulous object in the world is my dick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a time bandit. You're that was, yeah. these, See, these that was like a self alley oop. <laughs> you like threw that, that to yourself. That was on the backboard. <laughs> this title is piggybacking on the next one. <sighs> Not that hole. <laughs> Um, <laughs> polishing your horn. Kevin goes in the wrong Sean, hole. Yeah. yeah, Sean Connery's sack. Yeah, let that one sink in. Somehow <laughs> did not fall out. Yeah. And all, no. the, all the times he stood with like one leg up on something, you know, like letting it down. That's like the old man pose at the in the gym locker room. Oh, yeah. where he's like there was a lot of shots out. of him like, rolling dude. around on the ground on his back with his legs Tussling. akimbo. You know, like, it was okay. in his contract. Got to yeah. show those thighs. Looking so Ooh. handsome. I want to be able to wrestle. Yes. I want to wrestle a horse. I want to wrestle him. I'm pushing King of Greece. Oh, the, uh, oh wait, I want to add. I love gyros. <laughs> I love tajiki salt. I, man, <laughs> stop making me hungry. The, the, the fight scene is oh, awesome. The, it is great. The, yeah. the, the <laughs> Agamemnon versus the Minotaur. That's a legitimately awesome yeah. fight scene. I, I and one I done old. without yeah. like any seeming expertise on how to use a sword. But they just kind of yeah. like shoot. It's so well shot and edited. 
It has so much energy. It's like a, it's a really awesome fight scene. That was really exciting. To That's see. another, what I was saying, like a Terry Gilliam brilliance. You see like, oh, this is coming. Like this is in going to be in his other movies. Yeah. Like his masterpieces. Like he, it's, he tried all this out and, and it's like, you know. I also, and Mike, we you might do some like more this. Terry Gilliam with, going forward. Yeah, with do like a uh, sound design. I found the sound design and the Foley of just like, the screams and the horse guy that he's fighting and all this it's shit loud. haunted me as a kid, by the way. Loud as shit. Oh yeah. That, them and <laughs> yeah. the with the first movie we watched, Kroll, the the sound of the, the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> but also in this movie had a similar feel for me, you know, with the way the, the, the horse uh whatever the, the grim the reaper crashing noises at the end. How, yeah. Oh, those yeah. things, the bullheaded things. Oh, so scary. Oh, how young were you when you saw this movie for the first time? Five. Probably like five or six. Four. Yeah. Holy shit. My dad probably was like nightmares for <laughs> my dad bought the our dad bought this yeah. vhs which had to be really expensive at the yeah. time like you guys made time. me watch it a lot yeah <laughs> it a lot. i mean i was obsessed with this movie like yeah like there's it's really weird because like i don't know for me and you we didn't really watch a lot of like kids stuff i would say that that up the so i want to ask this question i this is this a kid's movie i feel like to answer my own question, I feel like it's a kid's movie made for adults. I, like it's yeah, not I, really for kids. I couldn't yeah. believe coming out of this movie that it got a PG rating in 1981. They didn't have PG-13 back then. I was shocked. I was like, that movie's fucking PG. Temple of Doom is PG. <laughs> yeah. Temple of Doom uh, is fucking disgusting. And it's I, a PG movie. <laughs> I know. I was like, wow. I was like, there's no way this movie gets a PG rating in 2021. <laughs> I don't right, think. Let me finish. Take it, take All it. Right. Sorry. We've already said this, but so damn, damn wet. Uh, <laughs> Mona, Angela, Tony. Um, oh, okay. Good one, good one. Boathead. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, we can make beans into peas. <laughs> <laughs> See? The throwaway lines. The throwaway lines are so good. <laughs> and the very last one. You're backdated to the beginning of time. <laughs> I have 47 varieties of parrots. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I'm going to I think, you know, I know Mike and I growing up, we, we had some Disney movies for sure, but we saw a lot of like once we're going to have to eventually do legend. Yeah. We, I know like we talked know. about it a year legend ago. Legend was supposed to be our first movie. I know. That was, we yeah. debated for weeks over doing that movie or not. And I, I was I was showing yeah. it to Emily when we first started dating, and she was like, how old were you when you saw this movie? And I'm like, five? I don't know. Yeah. Like, Legend yeah. is seared into my subconscious. But I don't also, even know whether it's good or not anymore. Like, doesn't matter. It already had Action Adventure was just something that was normal. You know, we just had those we were, movies. We were raised on, you know, um, experimental sci-fi for the yeah. most part, a lot of us. Like, but never got into Doctor Who. This, I mean, this now. is more this is more of a kids movie than Jaws, which was one of my favorite movies before <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> and I would and my reaction to Jaws was always, oh man, they, why they kill that shark? He's just like <laughs> he doing what he does. It they wasn't like to get scared at the deep end of the pool. And I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember. Sharks my, can come out of yeah. the drain at any time. Yeah, my, it's, it's, it's a real fear. Like, Do you remember? 
Do you remember your first movie? Because I know I only I don't remember mine, like but I remember Mike or movie movie. Like going yeah. to the movies, Mike I went to. I my dad took Mike to go see uh, the, what was it? The Sinbad seven and the seven voyages of Se- the seven. Oh, that movie is amazing! It's so good. It's all it's so good. And yeah, it's an awesome. And I think Return of the Jedi like, was my first movie I, in the theater. Wow. Mine might have been mine too. Uh, Star Trek Three: Search for Spock. <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah, that movie is kind one. of amazing. Yeah. My we should dad, do a Star Trek movie. Yeah. All right, Dave, are you done your titles? I'm done my titles. Okay. You've been backdated. Sorry, now to Solo, now you talk about your dad. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, it was, I, I didn't, I'm debating on, I know that I have to pick my movie most likely at the end of this program because Mike's, okay. Mike's doing the grand finale. And I'm like rolling around a few and yeah. One could okay. possibly. I want to talk to- before we move before we transition out of this. I just want. I feel like we need to give a little shout out to Ian Holm. We didn't talk mm-hmm. about Ian Holm, and he's Napoleon, and I think it's the best performance in the whole movie. He carries <laughs> a really long scene. It's the longest scene in the movie besides the ending, and he is fucking hysterical. Amazing. As Napoleon, so funny. I love the the little people. (laughs) Why they got me so big? Yeah, I invaded Italy because I thought everybody here was a little person. He's like, not bad, right? Not bad. (laughs) And he kept naming people on their heights. He'd be like, Attila the Hun, five foot three (laughs) and a half. It was always in a half. I feel like actually they could have done uh, like if someone was to do a remake, I know they're going to do a TV series, but maybe that's the concept. I hope it is where it is just them and a new like superstar in some part of time playing them. Like, you know, like Ian Holm there. I just can't, we just keep keep getting The two two guys that are standing next to him, he's like, it's like I'm at the bottom of a well. And he's like, like, he like stares at the dude's crotch. He's like, I told you, don't stand next to me. He's like, I'm like, I'm at the bottom of a well. But don't you, I love the joke, like what you said with the golden hand. They're very eager to surrender, sir. Yeah. If someone said to me, like, write a comedy and do whatever you want throughout time, I would throw in something like Napoleon having a golden hand and that was real, like, as a, you know what I mean? Like, just find the weirdest stuff you could find and do it. There, there's an amazing sound design moment, sound design joke in that scene, which I think is also, like, very Terry Gilliam, where uh, the one guy comes out and he's, like, you know, about face and all the soldiers turn around, mm-hmm. and they're walking through just clanking uh-huh. all of the it's shit so that they had just stolen. <laughs> it's so in good. the tapestry. Yeah, in the tapestry, and finally the one soldier <laughs> turns around to see them. He's like, it's, wait. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the tapestry line was great, because he was like, oh, right, they do a century. Stop. Oh, yeah. Grab it. <laughs> That, um, oh my god! The uh, <laughs> oh shit! I forgot what I was gonna say. Anyway, oh, Dave, anyway. you ask us ask us in whatever order you want to. This is your this this is your time to shine right here. You tell us tell us oh. why you love this movie. All right, so I'll go first. Uh, yeah. I don't think this. Or do you want to go last? Bad. Sorry, I give you the choice. My bad. I mean, he obviously. I mean, we we should let Dave go last, in my opinion, because I'll go he's, last. He, it's Dave, you ask us. Do you take it over, Dave? You ask us where we go. This is this is your you're closing this game. I'm the closer. Yeah. Oh man, I gotta warm up. Um, You're like Kira Sedgwick. Just, just throw, just (laughs) toss it. Uh, I don't want to go all Mitch Williams. Don't be Mitch Williams. Don't be Mitch Williams. (laughs) Um, He was good for that entire year. (laughs) (laughs) He was. He really was. So well. (laughs) This movie suck now. 
Put me to um, time, man. Oh, all right, I was hoping you weren't going to start with me. It is a hard question, uh, and I'm going to talk it through by saying that I the two points that were made earlier that really stuck with me were both J Bone and M Googs's points that it was a sketch comedy, but it was also the first attempt to like branch out and try to like make a bigger point with a bigger production. Uh, and I think what what's going to hurt it for me, it's the same problem with watching J-Bone's pick with, you know, Malik is when you have these accomplished directors that have made such amazing movies later in their careers that you've seen, and then you go back and watch their earlier attempts at the same sort of style, it's hard to like have it hold up I know I'm not supposed to compare it, but I've seen it and I can't unsee things like 12 Monkeys and, <laughs> you know, like these amazing like pieces that they've done later in their careers. So I also I, think I'm asking the wrong question because I think for this series, but I have to I, answer I would it. Say it doesn't suck the, now. You have to ask it. You have uh, to, Dave. We didn't ask must. it of Days of Heaven because we were saying that we these did. are all said, like basically good movies, but, you know. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, look, I have to answer the question. It's the name of the fucking answer podcast. Answer the fucking question. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, it does. It does. I'm gonna like. All right. I want to. I want to say it sucks now, but it is only because it is not like a great movie. It's an amazing comedy piece. What's and your favorite? What's your favorite Terry Gilliam movie? Twelve Monkeys. Okay. Like hands down. Um, it's amazing. Uh, but like almost every of his later movies, like from Brazil onward are all amazing. Um, mm. but this just happened to be like, and that's what I was trying to say earlier. It's his toe in the water moment of trying to make like a big budget visionary movie that he can actually devote his entire creative repertoire towards. And mm. he, he tried like, you know, this is his first shot at it. And I feel like it's, it's a learning experience for him. And mm. because of that, it's just not quite there. It, it sucks, but okay. it's so close. It's like a forty-nine fifty-one. Okay. Okay. Forty-nine fifty-one. So you said your piece. Now fuck off. All, All right. right. So yeah. no. Nah. <laughs> yeah. I love you. Yeah. No, it's oh, good. What the fuck you say? Oh, oh, oh. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. No. <laughs> hey, no, it's okay. Hey, we all like Big Trouble in Little China, which still, you know, makes me happy. So. Um, all right. We didn't so, like Big Trouble in Little China. We all like jerked off around them. It's true. We love Big Trouble. Trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Like, amazing. I'm I'm married to that movie. Physically, Fuck it every literally. Night. So <laughs> damn wet. It's so wet. <laughs> so damn wet. Uh, all right. So Jay Bonadone. Okay. Um, does it suck now? So I'm like, I guess I'm on the other side of where Solo is, just by a little bit. I don't think it sucks, but I think there's a big but after that and so i don't know where we felt on the official rules of like can you say it doesn't suck and then still add like a big caveat after watching this movie i don't think there are any rules they're right it doesn't matter so i'm gonna say (laughs) this movie doesn't suck because even though i I don't love it i think there's parts of it that are really boring because it's just like you know the you know sound and fury it's just really loud and it's just coming at you with it sets up it sets itself up to run through the same like joke mechanics over and over again and you know when they were funny i laughed or when somebody really funny delivered them i laughed i recognized the the ideas and the gun-ho nature of it and the filmmaking chops but i think it's 
it's Terry Gillian really unfocused, but fi- trying to find focus and like try also he's like, I'm never going to get this again. I got to do every trick I know and, <laughs> and filter it in the movie. So the movie becomes like a launching pad for his tricks, which is enjoyable. And I feel like it's something that if you want to learn about movies, it's a worthwhile watch. I think that's the, but like, I would tell people to watch it only with some like warnings ahead of time. Be like it's it's loudly weird, but it's not actually as weird as it thinks it is. <laughs> did you like when they fell into uh, the time of legends and they did the whole film exposure thing? I liked lots of it. There was lots of it I liked. I, I thought it was like a movie lot. trick. You would enjoy that. Yeah. The, the ogre, the ogre sequence. My favorite special effect was the was the giant coming to like step on the house. I just, I'm a sucker for like big screen, like backgrounds with a foreground kind of special effect. I love that. Anyway, I don't think it sucks. I think it's a decent movie with great ideas, maybe a bad movie with great ideas, but it doesn't suck. It's worthwhile. There you go. Much talent. Yeah, that's fair. You gave gave that as much as you could. I appreciate that. Thank you. I wasn't inspired, (laughs) but I was in admiration. Right. Yeah. It was you like your, your first fruit. day on a porn set, I guess. Right. So. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> All right. You tried. <laughs> All right. Mike, what do you uh, think of this movie? Does it suck now? Yeah, so I guess we're slowly ramping up. So I'm not quite where Solo is, where I sound like I'm pooping while I'm trying to decide whether the movie sucks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> You're like, it doesn't suck, but... Not bad at parts. All that Greek food. Agamemnon. <laughs> My man Kevin did not want to leave Greece. Also, that was not yeah. Greece. So was not anyway, Greece. Uh, <laughs> I know it was fun, but uh, but I. So here's where I'm at. Uh, I absolutely adored this movie as a kid. Uh, as we've been talking about, I've seen this movie so many times and it really shaped who I was and my views of the world. Because, wow. Yeah, no, seriously, <laughs> I watched this movie a lot. And, uh, um, and it made perfect sense to me as a kid. Of this like, explains you know, so many things. Yeah, it does explain <laughs> a lot of how I thought of the world. I'm just like, everything is bureaucracy and it kind of sucks. So you just figure out how to navigate it and get what little happiness you can out of it. Bureaucracy um, is order. Yeah, pure, it's a chaos theory. Uh, what I was saying is this Whoa. movie is like chaos theory because basically chaos theory is you know what a wave is and you know how a wave happens, but there's it's impossible to predict the exact wave that will appear at any given time. Yes, mm. I love that. I think of weird weird parent tangent. One of my yeah. favorite things as a parent so far <laughs> has been teaching my kids about like waves and how to yeah. handle them in the ocean and how like you learn which waves you can go over and which waves are kind of like peaceful and which ones you have right. to go under or else you're going to get fucked up or which, or sometimes that you just got to take the fucked up and ride with it and see how you do. And you, right. and, and when that happens, you don't fight it. You roll, you tuck and roll <laughs> and you bounce off the bottom, you know, and you keep your neck safe, protect your neck. Yeah. It's just a great, it's but, a great metaphor for life. And, well, and that's because like Wu-Tang, you know, Wu-Tang's for the children. Yeah, your kid knows what a wave is. They know right. how to react to a variety of waves, but they mm-hmm. also don't know exactly what wave will be coming at them at any time. Gotta stay in the moment. And so there might be one like, right behind it. There might be one exactly. right behind it. You get a double wave. Yeah, you, you know, get better at it. You just spend more time in the ocean. Yeah. One time, that's me like, and Solo and a buddy of his <laughs> were at the ocean getting drunk, 
and uh, we it was the day after a hurricane, and there was this crazy rip current that was like sweeping down parallel to the beach. So we would jog up like five or six lifeguard oh, yeah. stands, awesome. swim out into the <laughs> where the waves were crashing, and then just let it fuck us up while the current pulled us down the beach. And then we would swim out of the water and then run, jog back up the, the like half mile or whatever and do it again. And that was probably the most tired I've ever been in my life. But it was it felt like getting slapped around by God. And it was awesome. It's slapped by God. Is. That'll be the name of my next action movie. Your next hardcore band. No, that's yeah. like a new metal band. God slap. So these are the sort of people the Supreme Being allows to steal his map. Look at them. Stunted little pros. I wouldn't even trust them to wipe their own noses. No, no, sir. It's much too difficult for them. <laughs> what sort of supreme being created such riffraff? Is it not the workings of a complete incompetent? But he created you, evil one. What did you say? Well, he created you. So he can't be totally... Never talk to me like that again. No one created me. I am evil. Evil existed long before good. I made myself. I cannot be unmade. I am all-powerful. If that's the case, are you unable to escape from this fortress? It's a good question. Why have I let the supreme being keep me here in the fortress of ultimate darkness? Because you... Oh, shut up. I'm speaking rhetorically. Oh, Dave, tell us... You know, give us a little a beautiful finale before Solo picks, makes his pick. Okay, so I do not think this movie sucks now. Much like uh, Mike, I grew up. I've seen this movie. I don't know, probably a thousand times. Like literally, it has to be that high. I loved the absolute absurdity of this movie. I think that that is what draws me to it the most. That sometimes shit just doesn't have to make sense. And I think Mike's uh, just you know description of chaos theory does kind of really you know sum up what this movie is i mean if i really thought story-wise and other things i think everybody brought up good points for sure and i think those things could be fixed would i want to see a different time bandits now absolutely like you know i have my theory of what i think would be funnier to watch or whatever but i think i'm just amazed at terry gilliam and michael palin's balls to fucking write this movie <laughs> and george harrison to produce this movie yeah. it is just such a wonderful fuck you it's to great. hollywood in mm -hmm. it, especially in 80 81 or when they probably signed on to do it was like 79 it was star wars money man you know? i'm telling you star, yeah. they, they were just yeah. throwing money at anything with that you could be like it's like star wars but so they were like it's like star wars but with time travel and they're like, fine. But, but even they were backed by a beetle, backed <laughs> yeah. by one of the Beatles. Right, backed by George Harrison. They're like, fine, here's here's five million dollars. I think because nobody day. thought like Brian would be as successful as it was. And I think, you know, I, I don't know. For some reason, this movie just inspires me in what I'm doing now. And I and that's why I thought of it for the podcast. Cause I was like, what's just 
I'm passionate about that movie. It's just fucking wild. Nice. It's just That's weird nice. and crazy. I love that. Like, and obviously, you know, as we all see with a lot of the movies we watch, there's always stuff that could probably be better. I don't know if we've seen a, other than Big Trouble in Little China, all agreed on another perfect movie. You know what I mean? Well, I'm, no. so, I'm sorry to be the poo guy on this one. I could easily go 51-49. Okay. But, but I want to say... Don't worry, I feel, Solo. Weirdly, I respect you. <laughs> weirdly, the vampire movie. Uh, um, the Lost, Schumacher, Boys? Lost Boys? Lost Boys like, was, was the closest we came having everybody being like yeah this is like also, a really incredible movie i was also yeah. the poo poo guy on lost boys well, at least poo-poo. i'm consistent okay well mr poo poo guess what <laughs> you're gonna take us home you're gonna tell us what what the final movie is and uh, say goodnight to everybody before not the final I movie mean, the next movie is i have then, really been mulling over a few options you know, and, you, and you're on the clock my man i know i'm thinking. on the clock i just all right so i want to just confirm some of the criteria and i think that'll help me make the final selection it is a movie that had important meaning in our childhood? Is that part of this? No, it doesn't special. have to be, but it could be. It's just a movie you are personally passionate you about. Love that you love. I'm like, personally you, passionate about. You want to about. champion this movie. Okay. You're uh, like Porky's. Porky's movie. 1. Porky's yeah. 2. Oh, you just Police think Academy I Academy Porky's. 4. Citizens okay. on Patrol. All right. Okay. All right. I, got, I got two minutes. I'm going to do this. All right. I'm ready. This is, okay. No, no, no. This is, too. I'm, I'm ready to make my selection. All right. Do it. Take us home, Solo. It, it is not a movie that you think, and I feel a little lazy not picking a movie from my formative movie years like the two previous guys did. Uh, I am going to pick a movie that shaped and molded a lot of my philosophy about how to approach adult life. Uh, and it is one of Zack Snyder's earliest, if not the <laughs> earliest movie he's ever done. And it is a remake and it is Dawn of the Dead. Whoa. Oh, wow. I Zack that Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Right, interesting. I, loved, I can't wait to get into this. I in the loved there, that movie. Yeah, I yeah. loved so it. So say goodnight, Solo. You're, you're taking us home. Dawn of it, the Dead, it, Zack Snyder. Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder. It hit at the perfect time of my life. We're doing a true horror movie with fast zombies. Fuck those slow pussies. They will eat your ass as they're <laughs> running to top speed. Don't they'll tell Jim that. I, that's it. Uh, we're gonna do. We're gonna do Dawn of the Dead. That movie Dawn of the is Dead, the remake. a huge, influential right. movie for me. It's just. It's the first fifteen minutes of that movie shaped the way that I looked at life for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna get into that. That sounds like a good session. I can't wait. Sarah, can does Sarah Polly show up in your dreams? Sarah Polly is one of my, yeah, she's she's an icon for me. One of your but all I, I remember is pregnant zombie. Whatever. I remember, I remember that oh, part. God. Yeah. Oh, my I remember Pfeiffer. turning to whoever oh, I was cool. with and being like, if they make a baby zombie, this is the greatest movie ever. And I'm like five minutes later, I was like, there's a baby zombie! <laughs> <laughs> I did we're not, the we're same thing. I did the same exact thing. <laughs> like, after, he, might have, he might have been sitting next to you. You guys might have seen this together. Done this, I I we should do uh, 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 Sophie's Choice on Blade 1 and Blade 2. Oh. Okay, all right. Well, all right. that's but we'll that's it. All right. So, all right. look, Dawn everybody, thanks. Zack Snyder. Zone of the Dead, Zack Snyder. Peace out, everybody. Smell you later. Uh, slugs, yeah, slugs. <laughs> Who makes slugs? Oh, I'm five <laughs> nine. I'm only five nine. I do pretty good, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like the little people. Uh, Why they gotta be so big? <laughs> so Oh, oh.
Network.